Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I am so happy to be back this week with another episode of the Talented Human Podcast. I have with me today a very special guest. Her name is Jillian Richardson. Uh, she is the founder of The Joyless and the author of the upcoming book, On Lonely Planet. Um, I met Jillian briefly last year in New York um, and, and was reintroduced to her this year by my friend Amanda McRae, who we had on the show previously. And I, I remember um, learning a little bit about the joy list and, and, and what she was doing with this project. And, and I'm so happy that to not only to have reconnected with Jillian, but to have her on the show, because we're going to talk a lot about community. We're going to talk a lot about um, how, you know, being part of a community and being part of something, and especially in a world that's becoming a little bit lonelier, um, even though we're, you know, more connected, we're, you know, in a societies that are, you know, where our relationships are not as, as strong and, and how this, you know, can help us with our mental health, how it can help us, help us with the development of our talents and all of that, um, all of those good things in life. So without further ado, I want to welcome to the show a really good friend, Jillian Richardson. Hi, Jillian. Hey, Jay. Thank you so much for having me on. No, thank you for uh, taking the time. To come in and to come into the show and to talk to us today and to the to the listeners. So I I wanted to to start this conversation by saying thank you. Um, thank you for thank you for bringing something so important to people, um, which is sense of community. Uh, we met through an organization that is all about community. It's all about elevating and, and inspiring others to do their best and to bring forth their best talents and their best ability, and that's NextGen. Mm-hmm. And I was introduced to NextGen last year because someone asked me to do video for them. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I'll do a video for them. And, and it was great. And it blew my mind. Like I wish when I was in my 20s, I would have had um something like this that could like elevate people in the in, in this way and like because uh, community is everything yeah for me like building a community even if it's your own little small community i think that's important so, that's totally true yeah. thank you for that thank you for um for, <laughs> for bringing community values to, to people and for doing what you do yeah, and I guess hearing hearing you say that, I'd love to shout out Rachel and Haley, who are both the heads of community at Next Gen Summit. Haley used to be, Rachel is now, and I say that they're the biggest reason why Next Gen has such a strong sense of community is because it's being head up by two separate women who have they're such feminine leaders. They're so amazing at just deeply caring for people, and it shows in that Facebook group, and it shows in all the posts and videos that they put up there. They're doing really, really amazing work. Yeah, Haley is an amazing human being. I had uh, the opportunity of talking to her a little bit uh, during the uh, conference last year and then afterwards in New York for a few days. So I think she's, uh, she's one of those people that genuinely cares for people. Yeah. Like, it just, what do you need? We'll make it happen. We'll, we'll, you know, how can I help you feel better or, or do better or be better? So that's, um, I think that's an extreme, extremely good quality for someone to have. And 
you know, I couldn't say, I, again, would like to use big shout out to them. So, um, Jillian, I wanted to, I wanted, I want us to focus on, on a few things. I want to talk about community, as I said before. Um, and I, I kind of want you to take the lead on this um, because you understand community and let's have a conversation. I'm not going to interview you here. I'm not going to ask you 20,000 questions. Let's just bounce ideas and, and, and thoughts off each other and, and let's get it done. Let's get, let's make it happen. Let's give uh, our listeners something, something they can uh, really enjoy. Yeah, I'm curious, is there a specific aspect of community that you would like me to start with? Uh, no, I, well, I want to focus on the, uh, on, on how it affects us and, and, and the benefits that it has towards, uh, you know, our well-being. Yeah. And then also the, you know, how, how building a community can help us, you know, achieve better um, things in, in entrepreneurship and, and even, um, you know, the studies, um, you know, education all of those things. How do, how, do, how do you see community affect this areas of life? Yeah, I just felt like I felt my heart open up a little bit because this is, <laughs> this is an area that I am so passionate about talking about. So thank you for giving me some space to, to share what I've learned on this because writing my book on Lonely Planet, it really gave me, it gave me a year to think about why community is so vital. And some things that I've realized is that in American culture, we do not prioritize friendships. We are obsessed with romantic love. There's actually, there's a scholarly term for that, which is a motto normativity, which is obsession with romantic love above all else. And we obsess over diet, and nutrition and exercise when really the science shows that connection really strong human connection is the number one thing that will extend our life and i believe that a reason we don't talk about the importance of connection that much is because it doesn't make people money connection is free learning how to have relationships is free and when we're obsessed with getting really fit, like eating the perfect food, having a diet, like belonging to the perfect gym, those are ways that we can spend money and that companies can profit off of our insecurity. So think about growing up in school, the amount of times in health class that we talked about obesity and binge drinking and drugs. And at least for me in my school, in my public school in Fairfield, Connecticut, not once did intimacy or friendship or strengthening relationships come up. And those are the most important skills that I believe a person can have. And in school, we're not talking about them at all. So I believe that I just want to talk about this because it's such an important skill. It's literally a life-saving skill and it is not given enough airtime. It's like knowing how to do your taxes. Like, yeah, but more important than that. <laughs> but more important than that. Yeah, because at least we learn how to do our taxes later. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I'm, I mean, I have to agree with you on the, on the aspect of friendship. I, I have this like unreal fear of commitment when it comes to, mm. when it comes to romantic relationships. I, 
you know, I'm 36 years old and, and single, and I, I think I have one serious relationship in my life. <laughs> yeah. It's like, but I do have this friendships that I value so much and that, you know, mean the world to me that I work so hard in, you know, developing, developing trust, developing mutual respect, you know, caring and understanding for, for my friends. Like I do anything for my friends and, but I just, I've never felt the need to do those things from a romantic perspective because like, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm not a Valentine's person. Like, seriously, if you're with someone romantically and you wait until Valentine to like express your love, I'm sorry, you have 364 other days of the year to do this. Mm-hmm. Can't just be one day, it has to be every day. It's like Mother's Day, Father's Day. To me, those are things that every day, these are, you know, these are people that are so valuable to you valuable to you in a way so you know express that and like I I tell my friends you know how much I care for them how much I'm, I'm proud of them how much I love them almost on a daily basis yeah and and to me that's so important like like the people around me make me better even the ones that I don't talk to frequently you know, we might not talk for a few months, and but we know that we're friends. And in that moment, like like just today, I um, a, a client of, a, of of my friend posted a video on LinkedIn about you know safety on bicycles. And I have a friend in in New Jersey who's a, a dear friend of mine, and he's a cyclist. And it just that reminded me of that, and I just you know decided to send my friend a message and say, Hey man, I just want to check in and make sure that you're okay. Everything is good. How are the kids? How's, you know, the family? It's been a while. Let's catch up. You know, those are things that, you know, sometimes you forget that you have because, because we accrue an array of people through life. And in those friendships, whether they're the ones that are with you through, you know, through everything or the ones that are just there because they're friends. And, you know, if you get married, you're going to invite them to your wedding but you don't see them often and but those, yeah. they're as valuable and you have to nurture those friendships just as much as you do the others. Maybe not mm-hmm. on the same level, but with the same care and the same, you know, love that you do the others. So, yeah. That's just, that's just I'm me. So, <laughs> if we had more time, I would, I would totally ask you more about, uh, <laughs> Your, your romantic intimacy issues. I'm like, ooh, this would be a fun thing to dig into. I won't do that to you. Uh, let's not. Let's but, we'll, uh, we'll save that one for the uh, for the next the next podcast idea. We'll, we'll yeah, for your it. new therapy podcast where you're therapized. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but a thing I heard you say was that a lot of people they don't value, they don't put a lot of love and care and attention into their friendships, and I think that. A lot of people, including myself, I used to believe that there were some things that I could only get from a romantic partnership and not from friendship. And a big example of that is physical touch. This is a thing that I get into in my book a lot. And sorry, I just saw a thing pop up on my screen. Uh, and how important it is to our sense of well-being. Uh, I'm a person who 
I used to be anorexic and I had a really terrible body image and I was completely disconnected from my body. I had shame around my body and I didn't have a boyfriend until I was 19 years old. And so there was a big period of my life where I was really touch deprived, felt shame around my lack of intimate relationships and wasn't getting enough touch. And at that point in my life, I did not even think it was an option to just ask friends for long hugs or lie down on a couch and just spoon with a friend. And I'm a woman. I have it easier. This is a thing that women can do with each other with less shame. And for men, it's harder. Like it's, I now have men in my life who they are platonic friends and they snuggle with each other because it's an important part of our health. But yeah, and I, from an outsider I, I, looking in, it's easy to shame that or make fun of it or say like, oh, isn't that pathetic? These people are cuddling with their friends what they can't get a partner. When in reality, they're, they're doing a really counterculture thing that's really good for their bodies and their sense of connection to their body. It's, um, that's a very interesting uh, thought because at least for men, it's always been taboo. Like you don't hug mm -hmm. your, 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 your boys. You don't cuddle, totally. you know, that's just like, what, what are you doing? Like, dude, get off. Like, what the, that's the most insecure thing in the world. Yeah. Like, it's human connection. It's, it's, uh, you know, you don't have to cuddle with a friend, but you know, a pat on the back, you know, a, a hug, an impromptu hug with a mm -hmm. friend, with a, with a buddy of yours. Like that's, that's so important. That is yeah. so. And I would like, challenge that a little bit too. Cause I think the, what is socially considered normal for like hugs is actually not long enough if you want the, I always mix up oxytocin and dopamine. I think the oxytocin release in your body, like when, if you've ever had a long hug, like a 20 second hug, and there's a point where you feel your shoulders relax and you feel your breathing slow down and your breathing kind of sinks with the person. And for most people, myself included, 20 seconds for a hug feels like a ridiculously uncomfortably long amount of time. I don't know if it would be uncomfortable for me, but it's just like the practicality of a 20 second hug. Yeah. It's like 20 seconds is a lot. Like, but just imagine everything that we can say in 20 seconds. So when you're hugging. So I'm hearing you say that spoken word is more important than physical connection there. Well, no, no. I mean, I'm just giving it as a, as a, as a unit of, met of measure, like a metric. So we can totally. talk. And we can say a lot of words in 20 seconds. A hug in silence, it's like, yeah. it can feel like an eternity. Totally. Um, and for a lot of people, it does. And I'm really lucky now that I have a friend group where this is a totally common practice. Like, well, I, it'll be a room of people I, talking and there will be someone in a corner just hugging each other and not saying anything. And I realize that in like 99% of social situations, that would be super weird. Yeah. I, I can see that, but I also see wait, why not? Why, you know, I prefer to be weird. I'd rather be yeah. weird. And the thing is, why does it have to be weird? Like, 
Well, if it, if it, if if people want to call it weird, perfect. It's my normal. Mm-hmm. That's the way. I, that's the way we should like teach people how to see those things because, like, again, like you know, we're talking about all this and think about someone that's um, like I'm a hugger. I hug people left and right. If I'm meeting you for the first time, chances are I am not shaking your hand. I am opening my arms and offering a hug. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Do you ask people if they prefer hugs or handshakes? I've learned to do that. But usually, like, I know I, I, I've learned also to read people's um, de- demeanor. So I, yeah. I walk to people like, hi, nice to meet you. But then I also kind of like cool it down to like, it's like, <laughs> hi, and bring the handshake in. <laughs> You're like, uh, no, we're doing this. All right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's it's super awkward, but it's super fun. And uh and I and I do tell people it's like, oh I'm sorry, I'm a hugger. Like, you know, bring it in. Like let's because it's it's important. It's important to to let people know that it's it, it's almost a way of saying, Hey, I'm rooting for you. And oh, I would say a thing just I have a lot of friends who are like in the dance community and so there's a lot of conversations around consent and touch and like what different types of touch mean for different types of people. And so now it's totally ingrained in my brain or I'll, I'll still kind of like lean, <laughs> lean forward to people. Like I'm going to give them a hug at first, but I've been trained to say, Hey, are you a handshake or a hug person? Because a lot of people don't like being touched in that way, especially by strangers but yeah. it is really normal to give people hugs and it feels really awkward and uncomfortable to say, actually, I don't want to give you a hug. Like I would prefer to give you a handshake or literally nothing at all. Some people are really touch phobic. Some people have trauma related to touch and like a hug actually feels like a big invasion. And I've had to learn this because I'm also a big hugger. I would just want, if I had it my way, I would hug everyone all the time. And so to yeah. give people an option, suddenly I realized I was like, oh, a lot of people are actually choosing handshake. Shit. Like, how many people have I given a hug where they were like, actually, it wasn't their favorite thing and they were just doing it to help me feel comfortable? Yeah, uh, I try to be careful because I don't want to be known as like, you know, when I'm in my 60s or 70s, I don't want people to come up with like, oh, yeah, it's like Joe Biden rubbing people's shoulders all the time. Like, yeah, I was about to say, <laughs> I was like, I was about to say Joe Biden. So, um, uh, but yeah, no, I... Yeah, so I, I think it's like, it's, it's all part of like building those, those group of people, those communities, those interactions that we do have um, on a day-to-day basis. Like you said, you have, you know, your group of friends where, well, you get your hug and freak on and, and you hug for 20 <laughs> seconds. Get my hug freak on. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you have this because it's important. It keeps us sane. It keeps us humans. Like, and, and like, I, one of the reasons I, I started the podcast is, is talented people. Um, I believe that everyone has a talent, you know? And in today's world, a lot of people are developing their talents around technology, around building things, creating things, um, crafting a lot of, you know, whether it be through art, whether it be through, through, um, through education, through through a, a variety of, of, of ways and channels. And, 
And one thing that the people forget is that finding our purpose, developing our talent can be a lonely world. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So being part of a community, being having a group of friends, having a group of people with the with the right mindset, with the you know, that is alike yours, it's it's so important to to make sure that we don't you know, overdo it and overheat, you know? Like, yeah. And then like we break down and and then there's no one there to like catch you. Like I've I've seen people I mean I had a the only time I had a breakdown in my life was, you know, a while ago. And I, I found myself in a position where I, I didn't know why I was doing what I was doing. There was no purpose. And what were you doing? Going to do in the most, I was working in finance. I was doing a bunch of stuff and, and I just didn't really, enjoy my life like there was it was all about the work and about building what I wanted to have and and just like overdoing things like it friends didn't matter family didn't matter it was all work 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 and Mm. and that just it just didn't it didn't become enjoyable and it kind of became very lonely and that's like the only time I actually can say well you know what I might have lost it a little but I, I was able to catch it and to say, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do. I took some time off. I relaxed. I, I actually went down in the food chain, <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the work environment, like just took a menial job and, and did, you know, took a time for myself um, and reflected and, and just kind of like refound what my purpose was, what I really wanted to do and, and try to find and, but a lot of people don't have that within them. A lot of people need to have other people around them that can say, hey, here I am to support you, to carry you on, to, to be that person. And, and it's important for people to understand that. And, and that's just, um, especially in, in the world of entrepreneurship, I see it on a day-to-day where if you, if the people that are doing entrepreneurship and seem to be happy are the ones that have others around them that are like-minded and that are part of like a group and a community. I'm blessed to have something like that right now and with my friends in Germany. And even though I'm in Cape Town right now, I'm like, I'm in context, constant communication with them, supporting each other and, and bringing us up and like saying, Hey, how do we, you know, what can I help you with? How can, you know, how's your business doing? What are, you know, what strides are you making today? And that helps me continue it helps me a support system and and we're not physically together but we're there for each other we're part of this little group of people that we we're there yeah and a thing that i would add to that too uh or actually let me rephrase that i'm curious what's the age diversity of this group that you're in this entrepreneurship group Oh, I'm the old, I'm the grandfather of the group. So See, um, that is so a- interesting to me because a section of my book, I talk about the absence of eldership in American culture right now, where there's not 
at least from my personal experience in New York City and what I've heard in, in conversations with friends who live in other big cities, people in different age groups are really segregated. So for example, in my world in New York City, if I go to an event like this meditation event, I go to Medi Club, it's pretty reliably gonna be between 25 and 40. There are not people most of the time who are noticeably over the age of like 45. And in my own career, I have felt this deep yearning to learn from people who I see as elders from people who have walked this community builder path, who have created a big career for themselves and who have decades and decades of experience. And just seeing how few relationships there are like that with the people who I know. And when I talk to older people, how few of them have really solid relationships with younger people. Like this is not how it's meant to be. We are meant to have people who are elders in our lives for our whole lives. And in American culture, we take people who are older and we put them away in nursing homes and we take them out of the community and their lessons are lost. It's, it's a thing that I think about a lot and I don't really have a ton of answers yet about how to integrate older folks back in with younger people. Like there are some amazing projects that are already working on this. Um, it's a thing that I say just for people, especially, or actually, no, not especially entrepreneurs, really anyone, but anyone who's seeking a sense of support or mentorship or just someone to kind of help them on their path. I notice in all these things, kind of like Gary Vee or Tim Ferriss or things like that, like all these gurus, these self-help gurus are max like 50 years old. It's like, hey, what about the people who were, who've been doing this for way longer? Why are we not uplifting these voices anymore? It's so tragic to me. Well, some of them might be retired and say, well, I don't give a crap anymore, so. <laughs> but there's a lot of people who are true elders yeah. who have wisdom. No, like, listen, this, um, it's, I, 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 I agree with you a million percent. Um, and I, I think I, I can tell you with almost undeniable certainty why it happened. And I'm going to blame it on the young people, um, especially on the entrepreneur side of things. Uh, unless you're culturally known, like a Gary Vee, um, or yeah, like, yeah, unless you're Gary Vee, you're not going to be like, I think Gary Vee is going to be like 80 and he's still going to be that elder. That people are going to be like, yeah, you know. I got to listen to my Gary Vee podcast. I got to listen to God, I hope not. Gary <laughs> I hope, what I hope for Gary Vee is that he pulls a Tim Ferriss and like reveals all of his insecurity <laughs> and all of his shit. Like Tim Ferriss, I used to not be a fan of. And now I'm a big yeah. fan of him because he talks about depression. He talks about mental health. He talks about tying his worth to his performance and his work. And the people who are obsessed with him are the people who need to hear this message the most. That you are not. So maybe when I maybe when I do uh, maybe on season two when we have him on this on the podcast, I'll bring you on and we'll have a a, a triple conversation with him. I have told people this before. <laughs> I said I would love to be in a long conversation with Gary Vee, because what I desire is to have just a solely emotions driven conversation with him. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of authentic relating before. It's a, it's like a, a style of interpersonal meditation where it's just 
noticing what's going on in the other person's world, noticing what's going on in your emotional experience and kind of pinging back and forth. Uh, I would love to do that with him. I would love to do that with him. That would be fascinating, especially to have it like on record. Um, But to go back to what you you were saying about the elderly people, I, so especially from entrepreneurs, young entrepreneurs, they're so focused on, on who's relevant at the time and who has achieved a high level of success. Okay. So because these older, elder people out there are not social media relevant, they're not in that, in that circle, in that sphere, you, you, you know, you can't, you know, wouldn't it be awesome if like Bill Gates had a podcast or, 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 or vlogging like about business <laughs> and like, yeah, he's doing bigger stuff than that. Exactly. But just, just imagine like how amazing would it like a yeah, warm Buffett. Totally. Okay. Now, but, and then because we focus on all of that stuff on, 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 on the high level of success, on, then we forget about the experiences and the, the important learning experiences that other maybe less successful people have. Like, I, I learned a lot from this guy um, that I met briefly twice in New York last year. His name is uh, Nick Utton. He's the uh, ex-CMO of uh, E-Trade and MasterCard and Citibank. Okay, this guy came up with the E-Trade baby and Priceless. So there's a lot of wisdom and a lot of like, but you don't, I mean, these people, like, you, unless you meet them, you don't really, and, and Nick is, I don't know, he might be, I hope I don't butch, but like, he might be over 60, definitely. Okay. And uh, um, the, uh, the, the disparity here is like, because we don't have access to these people, we don't include them in our, in our life. Okay. And then we're not going to talk to our parents or our grandparents because, well, you know, their family and because we're maybe teenagers or, or in our twenties, we're like, eh, you know what, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to take whatever you say with a grain of salt because, mm-hmm. well, you're not Gary Vee or you're not, you know, Warren Buffett. So we see them differently. We see these people that the elderly people that we actually have access to, we see them a lot different from like my dad is not a, a hugely successful person. But my dad has learned a lot and he has taught me a lot of things. And I wish I could, you know, I could be that to, to younger generations. And, and I, you know, you say like, it's important to have like the young people learn from the old. Well, for me being 36, it's important to learn from the younger because it keeps me totally. relevant to, look, I always say that between 13 and 25, you are within the spectrum of authority of what's cool. If you're outside of that spectrum, like I can't tell you what's cool. I'm 36 years old. I'm 11 years past knowing what cool was. And yeah. I think the kind of wisdom I'm talking about is not, not what's cool, but more spiritual wisdom. And I think that there are definitely people who are popular, who are in this realm of spiritual wisdom that just, they are very popular and a lot of young people don't know about them. 
someone who comes to mind is Rob Bell, who this, he's this amazing pastor who is super intersectional. He has, he's published a ton of amazing books. His podcast, The Robcast, is like, it's beautiful. But he doesn't, I'm guessing his audience is not 13 to 25 year olds as much. And, and it's needed. It's needed it, to like, yeah. but maybe it's our responsibility to kind of introduce to this podcast, all these other people that, you know, that can breach that gap. And like, I look for me, it's important to, to, to learn as much as I, I love learning from all the older people. I love learning from the younger people. Like it keeps me motivated. Like for me is, is to drive that younger, that the millennials, like younger millennials and Gen Z's have right mm-hmm. now, their drive is, I, I had a call the other day with a 13-year-old from Hungary that blew my mind. Yeah. Okay. This kid, like reached out to me on LinkedIn because he wanted to have a personal growth call. Yeah. Personal growth call. I was like, uh, I'm sorry, who are you? And, I, and he was, uh, he has a podcast and my friend was in his podcast, my friend in Germany. And he's like, dude, you have to talk to this kid. It's going to blow your mind. And he did. This kid has a, a, a mentality, a mindset that I don't think I've ever heard of a 13 year old habit. And, and it just, it absolutely like you know when you when you finish a conversation and you just sit there and you're like, huh? <laughs> did that just happen? Like, did that kid just said what he said? Like those things kind of like, like at some point I didn't know who the adult in the conversation was. Totally. Yeah, I think I am noticing a trend with younger people of what some people call like old souls but just that younger people have access to more intelligence and emotional intelligence and just all of this at a much younger age. People call me a young or an old soul all the time. Uh, for context, I'm 25 years old. And I get that comment a lot. Uh, but one thing that you, you said that I just wanted to circle back around on really quickly is I noticed when you were saying, yeah, like I love learning from young people. Learning from young people is amazing. And the reason that you gave driven, they're so motivated. Uh, and I just wanted to point that out that I feel like that's, that's really, I think that's a great embodiment of our culture right now is this deep interest in drive and getting things done and productivity and innovation and a lesser emphasis on this kind of softer more spiritual, slower wisdom that for me in my life, getting more in touch with that has been the biggest shift. And it's the less sexy thing to talk about, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think we find a balance because I remember, you know, being in my twenties and, and, and having that same, and now I'm like a lot more, you know, I'm, I'm calmer. I'm, I'm more balanced. I'm more, um, um, I'm more, of a, a more of a person that can say, hey, you know what, I, I get it, it happens. You know what, I need, to, I need to recharge, I need to, 
you know, I need to like be with myself. Maybe I need to like calm it down a little bit or I can be, I'm going to go full drive. I'm going to, you know, put, you know, pedal to the metal and, and just like go. And like finding that balance, I think it's all what it is. And I think people like you that, that bring this message to younger people is super important because it can't just be, let's go, go, go. Because guess what? You can't burn out. Your, cat, your car will run out of gas. Yeah. And, and then we need, we need those moments. We need, this, we need to find that balance. We need to, it, it opens up our mind to so many different things. I feel like, like I suck at meditating. Like literally, I might be the only person in the world that gets stressed out to meditate. Yeah, I hear that from people a lot that it's anxiety producing. And that's just, you're not, that's just not the right mindfulness practice for you. And that's totally fine. Exactly. But at the same time, I understand that there are things that I need to do. Like the other day, I sat on, on a rock in front of the beach for a whole hour. Nice. Completely disconnected of any thought. That's meditating. Unintentionally, though. Yeah, that's okay. I didn't, I didn't actually say, you know what, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to do my breathing. I'm gonna, no, no. I just sat there and complete, and, I, and I, I posted it on Instagram and I said, this is probably the closest I've ever been to meditating. And a mutual friend. I love that this story ended with you posting about it on Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah, no, because I so I took a photo of me sitting there before I actually went into this whole process, and I had this earpods on, and um, um, I uh, my friend, which is probably also your friend Ben Bradbury. Oh, I love Ben. Yeah. We all Who doesn't? Ben. Even if you don't Who's know Ben, you love Ben. Yeah. If you hear his voice, you automatically love him. Like <laughs> the, 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 the low deepness of his tone combined with that British accent of his, it's just, well, I don't, I don't want to talk. Like, yeah. just let him talk. And mm -hmm. uh, he also has an amazing podcast, by the way. Have yes. You heard? Yes. Mm -hmm. And you also know Tom. Uh, which Tom? Tom uh, uh, Wister, who he has a podcast with. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Tom, yeah. Another amazing human being. Um, but anyway, so I, I sat there and I took the photo and, and, and I posted this whole thing about the meditation and all that stuff. And, and I, I, how I connected with the sounds around me and like listening to the waves and the birds and whatever. And, ta and, and, and Ben just comments like, you post it, you say all of this and you have your pots on. Yeah. And I'm like, well, I took them off after the photo. And uh, actually when I realized that I was in such a calm mood, like the music started to bother me. Totally. The same exact like, thing happens to me. So I took them off and I just sat there and like completely like disconnected and, but it was, it was, it was such an experience um, uh, for me. And, and it, I, I just love when I learn things about myself and, and I just, I'm like, okay, well, this is, 
this is new. Who knew I could actually do this? Because <laughs> usually when I do this is when I'm walking around, moving with my camera, taking photos. Yeah. That's my escape. Like I can completely be detached from anything. Like I almost more than a hundred times cross the street without looking, almost ran into a post while walking because I'm like so focused on what I'm seeing and like that, you know, the light post might not be visible or the fact that the light is not for me to go. <laughs> like living in New York was dangerous for me. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, speaking of learning, how do you see community and education? With the, with the issues that we have, especially in the US um, with education, um, the, uh, the fast pace with which technology moves forward, how do you see being part of a community helping others understand how we learn, how mm-hmm. we process the, the knowledge that's available, which is this infinite now, and, and also how do, we, how, do we, how do we do it in a way that it doesn't drive us crazy? Well, I can speak for myself and my own experience of, I guess, my education. Uh, I'm one of those people where when I say this, my parents will both just drop dead because they hate hearing this. Uh, But (laughs) I really, I don't think I learned that much in college, if I'm being honest, Um, which pains me to say that. But it's true. I think when I moved to New York City, so I, I wanted to move to New York City for all of my college experience. So I actually worked so I could graduate from college early and move to New York. And in the past three years living here, I've learned so much more about myself. And it's because I know this, it's because of the people I've surrounded myself with. I surrounded myself with the type of people where when I saw them, I said to myself, this is the kind of adult that I want to be. This person who They're living with joy and play and they work for themselves and they're carving their own path and they have a sense of embodiment. It was all of these things that I honestly did not realize were possible because growing up, I had never met an adult who was like that. I grew up in Fairfield, Connecticut. Like, bless my parents for working so hard to get us there and to be in that town. And the culture of it was very uptight. It's very external appearance focused. Like I belong to a country club, all that stuff, the exact culture that you would imagine, that's what it is. Really competitive public high school. Um, And I didn't know a lot of people, especially women, who were in control of their own lives. And so to move to New York City and to finally find these people it was the quickest rate of learning I'd ever had because it was just showing me what's possible in my life. These women who were like, oh, come to this dance class with me, read this book on sexuality. And then I'm in an entrepreneurship group where people are creating their own projects and they're asking me to help them brainstorm and I'm learning how to grow a business. And suddenly I have a group of people where 
anytime I need help, there's 50 people at least who will help me. And I'm just constantly, constantly being in spaces where everyone is really passionate about growing as a person so that they can help other people more. It, it's a thing that I've heard from people who are older than me. They say, Jillian, I am so jealous that you, fig- that you found these communities at your age because I only found these things when I was like 40 or 50. And I just, my wish is for people to know that for me, at least, this is the thing that has shifted my perception of what's possible is the people I've surrounded myself with. No college class, no degree, just amazing people. Yep. I, I have to agree with you because I didn't find these things until in my thirties. And it just, like, I, I only, like, I, I try to live a life with no regrets and no, uh, no remorse about anything that I like, well, I don't know if remorse is the right word, but no regrets about the things that I've done or haven't done. And I, I think that in hindsight, without, you know, focusing too much and looking back, I, I could have done more had I had more community. I believe it. Better, better mindset around me. I've always been like by my family, by my friends, always been seen different. Like I've always been the weird guy because I've always been more driven. I've always been more against the grain of what like the actual path should be, you know, like, you know, you're supposed to be in a relationship. You're supposed to, to be, you know, getting ahead in war, uh, in your job and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, no, I want to find my passion. I want to do what makes me happy. Like I put yeah. everything on happiness. Mm-hmm. Like I, to me, happiness is the most important currency in the world. Yeah. Millions of dollars mean nothing without happiness. Yeah. How many rich people do you know who are miserable? I, I can probably just like say a lot of them. Yeah. You know? Like, I because will not like, be that type of rich person, and neither will you. Yeah. Like, we're, we're good rich like, people. Just, but some yeah, people don't I'll have the like tools rich, to use their money. Yeah. I'd be like a rich in Branson or something like that. Like, uh. <laughs> He's like, let's just like, oh my God, Richard Branson, the best example of a good rich person. Just like, yeah. Ugh. And he's all about community. He is. You know, that's why you don't see him like fighting to get to the top of Forbes. Yeah. You know, like, I don't know. I mean, I can't, I don't know him. I don't, I, I, I you know, I don't know enough about him, but I wonder how happy Jeff Bezos actually is. I doubt he's very happy. I doubt it. I would, oh my, now you're giving me a whole idea. I'm, I had to take out my notebook and start <laughs> writing down ideas because I was like, ooh, authentic relating with celebrities would just be like the most <laughs> fascinating thing ever. I am so happy that like, I, when I saw you take out the notebook, I was like, yeah, <laughs> she's taking notes. Um, and yeah. I, I, that's when I, like, I focus a lot on value and I, I focus a lot on, on, on giving. Um, your book on Lonely Planet. I know we've, we said that we were going to be here for an hour, but we're going into that hour. And um, I, I want to read it. Um, as a, 
as a world traveler, how do I get my hands on it? And when is it, when is it coming available? When, when can yes. we expect this? So it's coming out July 26th and you can find it on, well, that was weird. Blah, blah, blah. You can find it on Amazon. On Amazon. Okay. So I will pay a lot of shipping to have it sent to me to Germany when I, so it's waiting for me there when I get there. Um, Beautiful. But I can also just I, send you a copy. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, the, uh, but yeah, no, I want to support you in the sense of like, you know, getting you those book sales and maybe get making you a, a New York Times bestseller or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Because I actually think like, I, I love the premise um, and I know we talked about it pre, uh, before the, with the, the start of the podcast. Um, I love the premise that you're taking on, on, um, on building communities um, outside of like religion mm-hmm. and, and outside. Like I, I, wanna, I wanted to, to give you some space during the show to actually uh, speak about that because I honestly think it's important. I, I am not, I'm not going to call myself a, a religious person, but I believe in God. Yeah. And, and to me, God is, it's the universe. It's a, a force. It's a big massive thing that I can't describe or understand, but it is what makes everything possible. Yeah. Okay. I've heard so-called atheists say, Oh, thank God when something good happens or when something bad is avoided. I'm like, oh, I thought you didn't believe in God. Um, but it's because it's an expression and people don't really think about it. But deep inside, we know that there's something bigger out there. Yeah. Bigger than all of us. And, and uh, I, I know in certain, like, for example, like my friend here in Cape Town, he has a good community based on his church with amazing values, with, with great, um, without having fascination for the religion, without having, um, you know, almost like, well, if you don't believe in what I believe, then you can't be around. Like that was my experience with religion in the U.S. at some point mm-hmm. where like, well, unless I'm like in a cult-like scenario, then I'm not accepted. I'm like, uh that just doesn't really doesn't because we should all be you know allegedly religion talks and 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 um and uh you know the bible says that we must accept others and love everyone yeah and be and, and not judge others yeah i i, I Ooh, love that's a people, big one people seem to miss i love when people that see themselves like only god can judge me but I'm going to judge you. Like, <laughs> like, but also if you're a gay person, you're going to hell. Exactly. Like, seriously, like, who are you to tell someone who to love, what to do, you know? Um, and it, it's funny because, like, the people that believe that are the ones that also believe that less government is better. Because why should government tell you what to do? Hmm. Interesting. And one yeah, thing, sorry, I just want to be, I want to be mindful of time because I actually, I have a yeah. call at 1230. Yeah. All right. So we can um, wrap it up now with you talking a little bit about this topic on, on the, uh, uh, you know, from the book, from, from your perspective and, 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 and why you wrote it in that way and what you focus on that area. And uh, yeah, I, you know, 
pre-ending, I want to say thank you because this has been one of the uh, the best conversations I've had so far, and it's just been I could you know we could talk for hours. So <laughs> it's true. I'm like yeah. this is what I love. This like literally I wrote a book because I was like oh now I get to have a bunch of amazing conversations. That's amazing. Like having a book, I was like oh this is the key to me talking to everyone I've wanted to talk to. Like all these amazing podcast hosts who before would be totally out of reach. Suddenly it's like, oh, I get to talk to my heroes now. Dope. All right. Awesome. So why did you write it from that perspective? Why did you focus on the, uh, the aspect of religion? And Yeah. So to be honest, the, the whole book itself is more focused on just how to create a deeper community. And yeah. I, I call a deeper community a healthy congregation. Because typically when people hear the word congregation, they think of a church congregation, or a lot of people do. And when you look at the Webster Dictionary, a congregation is just a group of people coming together. And so I wanted to take that word and reframe it and say, I don't think the, the phrase community is really enough to describe what it is that people are really yearning for. We are yearning for, and I am yearning for, a sense of friendship that is really deeply rooted, where we're really committed to each other, where there's ritual and there's intimacy, and we feel so safe that we can get into the deepest, darkest parts of ourselves. And I, I feel so fortunate that I have friends where we share values, and I can, I can cry in my friend's arms, and I have, and I will continue to do that, and they can cry in mine, and we have gone to some really dark places together. And most people don't have the tools to do that. They don't, they might not even know that it's possible. The level of friendship that I have found, I genuinely don't think a lot of people believe that it's possible. And so it's getting into seven ways that you can really change the spaces that you're in and up-level your expectations and become a leader in creating these spaces for yourself. That is amazing. Well, Again, thank you so much uh, for this amazing conversation, for this amazing hour up and 18 minutes that we've been on here. <laughs> um, I, I, absolutely, I absolutely love um, having you on the show. I definitely, definitely, I'm going to have you back. Once, once the book is out, we'll, we'll do another episode next season um, for the podcast because I absolutely want to know what the, uh, you know, how, how the reception is. Um, especially how your mindset changed after, you know, the book has been read and been shared with others. Um, and I, I'm, I'm really excited about, um, about, it, about what it can do. I remember when, when I first heard of the joy list, like I thought you created that, you know, with, with an amazing purpose. And I, yeah, I can't, you know, to everyone in the U S that's listening, um, on Lonely Planet will be available for purchase on Amazon. Yes. On July 26th. And it will be an amazing read. I am almost certain of it. So uh, pick it up. And uh, this is my friend Jillian. I will be in more contact with her going forward because she's an amazing human. And I'm so happy that it took a year, but we finally got together after like a week. <laughs> and like, I think we like shook hands in the introduction and uh, someone yeah. said- Yeah, uh, there was a lot of that from, going on. Yeah, uh, from uh, Joylist. And I remember, I think it was Haley who told me more about the Joylist. Oh, of course she did. Bless yeah. Haley, she's the best. So yeah, I uh, maybe I should have her on the podcast. We'll, we'll see. 
Um, but uh, yeah, I uh, thank you so much for being here. I hope you have an excellent rest of your day. Give New York a big hug for me, and, uh, and yeah, we'll be we'll be seeing you, and I will let, be letting you know when the uh, when the podcast goes live. Beautiful.